Well, this morning we're going to be looking at John chapter 7. And we're going to ask the Lord to speak to us in a fresh way from his word. John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. We're going to be looking at other passages as well that we find um, centered around Pentecost. And we're going to let the word speak to us today. But let me begin with this statement. It is an awful thing to live in a world without God. Especially to live in this current world. I'm not suggesting that God does not exist or that he withholds himself from certain individuals. On this day, we refer to Pentecost Sunday, we are reminded that his very presence, his very presence is very much alive and well and working in the world right now. So I'm not inferring that God's I'm not inferring God's absence, but our own absence to the one who is among us. It's an awful thing to live in a world without God. But even more awful is to claim faith in God, but live in the world as if there is no God. One day, Paul the Apostle was debating the philosophers of Athens about a statue that he saw in the main square, there's a statue to an unknown God. You may be familiar with that story. Uh, much like our world, most of the people of Athens and, and our day today would not deny some existence of a deity. In fact, the question would not be, do you believe in God? The question would be, which gods do you believe in? I wonder if that's the same for today, don't you? But in pointing to that statue... Paul used it to speak of the God who created all things. And then he said this. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Right? God is not far from any one of us. God is very present among us permeating the very atmosphere of our existence, not as some random energy or impersonal spiritual force or some nondescript spirituality, but in the presence, the person of God, the Holy Spirit. And on Pentecost Sunday, we, who, we are reminded that the very Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, was poured out on those who were seeking to follow him. And the grand strategy of God to bring the good news of the gospel to the world called the church was birthed, it was given life, and it was done by the Holy Spirit, and it still is needed that today. Now you likely know the story that goes like this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now, it goes on and really shows us that Pentecost was equally a miracle of hearing, not just languages, because people from many different cultures, different language groups, different ethnicities, the scriptures tell us, heard the good news. Later, the apostle Peter was describing what happened to a group of Gentiles who had, been, had received the Holy Spirit, and they were trying to figure out what was going on. We were watching the Holy Spirit break out. And this is what he said, God who knows the heart showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. 
And the message is clear. Language difference, race, cultural divide, ethnic disparities, and geographic boundaries are broken down. And the presence of the living God is for everyone. And the presence of the living God is on the move. And the presence of the living God is at work in our world. And that's why I say it's an awful thing to live in a world without God. Because no one, no one has to live in a world without God. No one has to live in a world without Jesus Christ being the saving and satisfying presence in one's life. Jesus describes what that's like, what it's like to have the Holy Spirit of God, the very presence of Christ, living deeply in us, filling our lives. He did that during one of the Hebrew festivals that's known as the Tabernacles. Tabernacles was a festival that was used to designate remembrance of the desert wanderings of the children of, of Israel. And one of the key features of that, that festival was they would bring an offering of water. We, they would, we think so, so uh, simply about water, but for them, they brought it as a spiritual gift to God. I wonder if we should think about it in those terms sometimes. But in doing that, they were reminding themselves that God had met them in the desert. At the high point of the festival, though, Jesus gave the disciples a foretaste of the nature of this filling of the Spirit, this filling, this saturation to overflowing, because that's what the word filling literally means here, this filling of the Spirit. This is how Jesus described it. He said, in fact, the scriptures say he said it in a loud voice, so he's yelling this on the day of festival. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from them. And then he said this, by this he meant the Spirit. So the message is clear once again. There is something more to this life with Jesus than just a religious practice or ritual just identifying myself with a church or just attending church or just creating some kind of religious structure for my life. Jesus is pointing to something new, something that has a depth and a breadth and an abundance in an encounter with the living God that they were not finding in that religious ritual. And the language he uses, don't you love it? Rivers of living water will flow from within you. What a tantalizing description of the living presence of God in our lives. Gushing, living water in our lives. And not only in our lives, but from our lives. Imagine what that sounded like to this group of people who regularly had limitations of water due to the climate that they lived in. It would be like someone who has been on a stay-at-home order who finally is being told that they are completely free to move about without any restriction and do whatever they want. You see, Jesus is saying he's the fountainhead for the very presence of the Spirit of God. He is the point of vitality and refreshment for us. He is described in Psalm 23 this way. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. But remember, these words Jesus gave were given during a festival that remembered the desert. The place that was dry and desolate, hard and cold and hot and foreboding, all wrapped into one. Which is a true metaphor of our attempts to try to live this life with Christ 
without being filled with the Spirit. But it is also a metaphor of some of the twists and turns of life itself we face. Have you ever felt like you were alone in the desert? Life comes to us replete with desert experiences. Though we should not be surprised by that because even Jesus was thrust into the desert, so why would we not be thrust into the desert? In one of those sections of lament in the psalm, Psalm 63, we get a picture of this. It says, You, God, O are my God, earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. That is the description, if there ever was one, of someone who says they're on an empty tank. What about you? These days we find ourselves in have become to feel like a parched place. This sense of disembodiment creates this space within us that simply feels dry. There's a part of our vitality that's been sucked out of us. And so these words from Jesus and the promise of the Holy Spirit are indeed like a river gushing, flowing with his life. And they remind me, what I shared this past Wednesday, that I need a presence and a power from beyond myself. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What we need is not so much what we can do as much as what He can do. Especially when it looks like the prospects are dim or the emotions are frayed or the proverbial tank is empty or it seems like the world is coming undone. When it simply seems like maybe even God is not doing anything. If you go back to the book of Genesis to the very beginning, we find a picture that is utter chaos. That is the description of the scene, the perfect description. The prospects of anything good are simply not obvious. This is what it says. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. Now that does not sound like a place that any of us would want to go. But here's something else we need to go about that place. There is no form of positivity that will deliver us from that place. There is no amount of human ingenuity that will make something out of that mess. There is no amount of human reasoning, power, wealth, or influence that will tame this wild and dangerous place. It's a wild and dangerous place we see. It's a picture of existence without God's presence. I wonder... Could this also be for us a picture of what my life looks like when I try to manage the chaotic business of life without the power of the Holy Spirit's presence in my life? But then we read on, because when we read this part of the scriptures, we never stop there. We keep going, right? And this is what we read. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then we read, and God said, let there be light. And out of the chaos and the formlessness and the darkness, God began to create order and substance and beauty. And so I must ask myself, if out of the chaos the Spirit of God can make something as dependable as the sunrise, if out of the formlessness God can make something as beautiful as a flower, if out of the darkness the Holy Spirit of God can make something as brilliant 
as light. Think of what he can do in your chaos. Let's go, let's go broader than that. Think of what he could do in the chaos we are living in right now. What could the Holy Spirit do with the chaos we are living in right now? What is God's invitation to you and to me right now to what God wants to do right now? In the psalm we read today, I highlighted verse 30, remember? When you send your spirit, they are created. They being his works and his creation. When you send your spirit, they are created. And then he says, and you, O God, renew the face of the ground. The spirit renews the face of the ground. This psalm is actually a protest, some say, against all the ways in which we think we are the captains of our own fate having life on our own terms, that, that we are all the masters of our own destiny. This reminds us that God is the creator, that we actually live in a posture of dependence. All of us and all creation, whether we acknowledge it or not, live in a posture of dependence on the creator God. And we need the spirit of God. But it is also a reminder to us that the Spirit brings renewal. He will renewal the face of the earth. And we saw that he does that even in the midst of chaos. What are you praying for in these days that we find ourselves in? What are you praying for our country? What are you praying for your city? What are you praying for your family? I am praying and I am hoping for renewal. I am praying for renewal. But I have a question. Is the path to that renewal in and through this place of chaos? Is renewal to be found in this sense of formlessness as we have lost some of what we have depended on to be our norm? This desert place? What if, my friends, this is the moment God has for you and me to discover something so much greater, so much better, so much more meaningful than some of the things we've lost in recent months? What if this is renewal? What if this is renewal right now? Think with me differently. Think about renewal differently. What if? What if we become more sensitive to the loss of human life as we mourn the death of over 100,000 fellow citizens? What if we become more sensitive to the difficulty and the difference some encounter in our world when we think about the inexcusable deaths of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery? What if death no longer becomes just some media moment, just some media report, what if we actually determined in our lives to be a reconciling presence in the great racial divide and political divides and cultural divides of our nation? What would that be? What if we became more grateful for the resources at our fingertips as we have to wait for some simple supplies and face empty shelves again? Would we face down our own consumerism? 
and do that with simple thanksgiving? And would we really now, would we really actually see those who are actually poor? What if we became more gracious for those who serve us as we watch them stock the shelves that we're frustrated about? Or we see someone don their medical uniform? Will we be more patient and stop treating people as utilities for us to use to get out of them what we can get out of them, treating people as utility? What if we began to think more of the highest and best good of others as a result of wearing a face covering? Remembering that the more excellent way, as we said a couple weeks ago, the more excellent way for the followers of Jesus is incredibly inconvenient and therefore beautiful. What if we actually saw how selfish we can be in the unselfishness of others? What if we understood more deeply being part of a church is such a beautiful thing as we have the benefit of the resourcing and efforts and opportunity to gather in new creative ways? Would a new gratitude emerge that crushes our sense of church entitlement or of entitlement in general? And a new humility first, humility second, humility third would come forth? And what if we developed a new empathy for those who live in isolation in non-pandemic times, and we began connecting to them in new ways? And what if we grew in a love for people, living, breathing, flesh and blood people, as a result of our absence and social distance? And we began, began to see all people as no longer mere mortals, but immortal, as image-bearing works of divine art. And what if we found new appreciation for those who actually have lost their religious freedom in the world under the threat of death, mind you, while realizing we really haven't lost our religious freedom. The church never closed. And in fact, opportunities to share the gospel expanded across the country as never before. What would happen if we began to appreciate those who actually are losing religious freedom? And what if in these very different days we saw what really mattered in our lives and the life of the church because of what was stripped away from our lives, from the church, from our culture that really didn't matter and maybe was distracting us and detracting from what it really means to live for God. And maybe, maybe we discovered simple graces like dinner with a candle at the dinner table games with the family, quiet for prayer and reflection, and the truth that every person is a minister of the good news of Jesus, not just some designated few, few with reverend in front of their names, but all of us have a part and a place and a responsibility in sharing God's grace. And maybe we would be not so much insisting on our way so that we can think of the higher way Jesus calls us to, sacrificial love. Now, what would you call that? What would you call all that? You see, I would call that a Holy Spirit-fueled revival. When you send your spirit, you renew the face of the ground, the psalmist said. 
Someday, heaven and earth will become the new heaven and the new earth, and all things will be made right, and it will be complete and total and comprehensive renewal, including the very ground we call earth. But could this also be a picture of God's active presence bringing the vitality of his life to the very world in which you and I live and work and worship in? To that being renewed. And I don't know what you think renewal or revival or whatever you want to call it is, awakening. But what if it is not something we need to be waiting for or looking for or trying to call out for God to God for? What if, it is not, what if it is not some great visible movement that aligns more with my own personal aspirations than with God's ongoing actions? What if renewal, what if revival, what if awakening is not what I think it is? What if the place of the desert you find yourself is actually a place where you discover a new fountain to drink Christ from? And what if this is the opportunity we've been praying for? What if God is actually answering our prayers for the church to actually, beyond platitudes, beyond proclamations, beyond power, to actually change our world, to actually impact our world, where it really matters? What if renewal is happening right now? Jesus said, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. He was talking about the Holy Spirit poured out on us. And could it be that right now we are encountering a new Pentecost where the Spirit is being poured out afresh and anew on the church and the world and and God is renewing us in ways that actually matter in this world today. Not some world yesterday, not what we want it to be, but in this world right now today that actually address the need for us to be what God wants us to be. That actually make us more kind and loving. That actually address the need for us to die to ourselves. That actually is calling us to get our eyes off of others and get them onto Jesus. That actually is giving us an opportunity to see the bankrupt nature of life as maybe it was. What if Jesus is turning the fountain on full blast right now and pouring out rivers of living water? And he is giving us one opportunity after another after another for his spirit's presence to flow not only in us, but actually to flow from us, from within us to the world. That's what he said. Oh, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to let him flow. We need, we need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit and to let him flow. It is an awful thing to live in a world without God. Even worse, to live in a world claiming faith, yet living as if there is no God especially in this current world we live in. But here's the very good news. Here is the very good news. You do not have to live that way. It's Pentecost Sunday. The Spirit is being poured out. Don't miss it. Don't miss it.
be filled with the Holy Spirit. Take time today. Get alone with God. Turn to Him and say, God, in Jesus Christ, fill me with Your Holy Spirit. I need a strength beyond my strength, a wisdom beyond my wisdom, a love beyond my love. Fill me with Your Holy Spirit. Our world needs people filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and let the water flow. Let the water of Christ flow. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Now, God, we thank you so much for the truth of your word today. Lord, we believe that our world, as never before, needs we, your followers, to be so filled with your spirit that what comes forth from our lives is evidence of you in our world. So, Lord, we pray today, oh God, fill us with your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for gathering today on this Pentecost Sunday. Receive this benediction. And now, may the Spirit of the living God be poured out afresh and anew on you, on your household, and through you, wherever you find yourself. May His Spirit bring you to new depths and heights in His love. And may you sense, as never before, that he is using you, that he is calling you, and he is sending you into this world to show the world Jesus. May the Spirit of the living God fill you, fill me, fill us this day. In the name of Christ Jesus, we pray in the love of the Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. God bless you. Look out for that email on Tuesday. We're in prayer together on Wednesday, 9 o'clock. May you walk in the grace of the Lord this day.